It's always wise to remember that we are the broken, he is the healer, amen? Because when we start operating in that good old phrase, I got this, we're in trouble. It says it's on. All right, so, hey, just a couple things. I just, we're so blessed that Deb and Dave came down and shared about Haiti and uh, just spiritually, I love having my brother and sister here. And um, it's good stuff. And uh, listen, I wanted to remind people that there's people in the body on the board and involved with helping Haiti's orphanage and Esprit Kai. And uh, if you want to be involved with that type of stuff, please inquire. Ask some questions because some people are already involved with it. And then also... Get your act together, get your passport, because we're going there in October of 2019. So, so we are planning a trip for October 2019 to Haiti. And um, time to stop praying. Because when I said that, God just said something to you. So as much as you fight it, oh well. It's all good. So we'll have details later on. First, I got to get the, uh, you know, more details to the crew. We're going down to New Orleans, and then we'll start on the Haiti trip. So, but uh, looking forward to it. It's going to be a blessing. Amen. And uh, it's all good. Oh, one thing though, please keep them in prayer. Uh, you know, I said in first service, out of sight, out of mind. But really, out of sight, out of mind, not out of our heart. So. Keep all our missionaries in prayer. And if you're not sure who our missionaries are, talk to me, talk to one of the pastors, find out maybe we should do, maybe we're lacking, we need to do more of a revealing because we're around it all the time, so maybe we need to talk a little bit more about it. But I need to lift these guys up in prayer because they're out in the other countries in the trenches. You know, we're in the trenches here, they're in the trenches there, and uh, they need our prayers. So please don't forget to pray for them. All right, so finally we get into the sermon. But uh, anyway, so listen, when we get into the, the word of God, I, you know, you're going to agree with this, but we often see clear examples of uh, righteousness versus unrighteousness. We see uh, examples of those on a godly path and those who are not, those who are on a road to perdition. We see those who are going to heaven. We see a clear example of those who are going to hell. Uh, it's these, in these examples, we often see contrast, and we see contrast. In this, the fruit that displayed in their lives. Contrast in their words, in the fruit of their words. Contrast in their actions. Contrast in their interactions with each other. Contrast when it comes to how they're acting the fruit with God himself. And one such example we see is in the book of Genesis. You know, in Genesis we know that sin entered the world. And because of that, Adam and Eve got thrown out of the garden. They were banished, right? And this is where we're going to begin, so Genesis chapter 4, I'll give you a second to get there if you want to follow along. So we're starting where they were thrown out from the garden, and in Genesis 4.1 it says this, Adam lay with his wife, and she became pregnant, gave birth to Cain, and she said, with the help of the Lord I have brought forth a man. You know, there are many variations and beliefs of things that are connected with Cain's name, but basically it's, you know, from the Hebrew language, the words used to refer to that something that is made, something 
made by a craftsman, something formed. And so at the core, his name lines up with Eve's statement, something from and created by the Lord, remembering that God is the giver of life. And this time in history, it was a time of many firsts. It was the first child actually born in the world, the first son, first family. The family continued to grow. Verse 2, it says, later she gave birth to his brother Abel. So also the first continue. First sibling just happens to be a brother. Abel's name from the Hebrew word, is from the Hebrew word Hebel, and it means mere breath in a negative sense of having no substance, of being close to nothing. And it's really speaking to the shortness of life, and it's very fitting for Abel because he'll also be involved in another first, the first victim of the first crime, of the first murder. So we have a family unit. We have a mother and father. We've been blessed with two sons. And the sons each choose their own profession. Verse tells us that Abel keeps the flock and Cain works the soil. One was a shepherd and one was a farmer. Both professions are equally noble. Probably both, to some extent, done by Adam. And I think we need a little background here, because as we move forward, you'll see why. But it's important to remember that concerning her offspring, Eve knew what God had said to the serpent. And he had said to the serpent this in Genesis 3.15, he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. See, Eve knew that there was going to be hatred, there was going to be hostility between the enemy and her offspring. And that if her offspring was going to be responsible for conquering the enemy. So sitting here today, we know that that... The Lord Jesus Christ defeated the enemy. But Eve didn't know that. So for Eve, maybe it was Cain. For Eve, maybe it was Abel. My point here is this. Do you think that mom and dad had conversations about the events that took place in their lives with Cain and Abel? Do you think that they talked about the mistakes that they made? The godly consequences of their disobedience? You think they would have taken a moment and described the garden and what life was like before their transgressions? I'm sure mom had plenty of warnings about the treachery of the serpent. Sure that they were told about God, who he is. Instructions concerning him, what he required about worshiping him, encouraging them to rely on him, to walk in faith. It's safe to assume that Cain and Abel were aware of who God is and what he required. And this is important because as we proceed, it'll be their actions that reveal who they really are. It'll be their actions that reveal their true character, their righteousness or selfishness. And the truth is going to come to light in their acts of worship. It is in their offerings unto the Lord that we see a revealing. And in verse 3 it says, In course of time Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, but Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. So, they have these professions. 
They bring their offering from these professions. Cain from the ground, Abel from the flock. It is in this act of worship that we see where their relationship really is with God, where their hearts are really at. If they're really truly trusting and relying on God. And we see God respond here. And it says in verse 4, The Lord looked upon, with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Abel's offering is accepted. Cain's was not. Why? For starters, we know that God requires the first fruit. And even more than that, the best of the first fruit. Cain's was neither. Cain's was just fruit that he had gotten from the ground, that he had grown. Justice alone was indicative of a heart problem, but it was more than that. Because God had already established that there needed to be a sacrifice. There needed to be a substitutionary death to provide a covering for the sinner. There had already been a sacrifice for sin when God killed an animal to clothe Adam and Eve. This is what he required. And now it was their turn to come and to make offerings and to worship God. But did they do what he required? <clears throat> Hebrews 11.4 says it was by faith that Abel brought, brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. God accepted Abel's offering to show that he was a righteous man. So Abel is acceptable. But when it comes to the heart of Cain, his true heart is revealed. We see that he comes not with an attitude of a repentant sinner who deserves death, but rather someone who has no faith. He's come and making an offering with someone who walks in selfishness and not righteousness. And here we go with another first. Because Cain really provides the first look at what an unbeliever looks like. See, Cain was going through the motions, man. He was checking the boxes. He didn't want to do what God required. He did the minimum. And then he had the audacity to be upset when it wasn't good enough in the eyes of God. And he already knew it wasn't going to be. His worship is unacceptable and his reaction becomes one of anger. Verse 5, it says, so Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. He was angry, he was dejected, and he was not only angered towards God, but he was angered towards Abel. And there's another why. Why is he angered towards Abel? And in 1 John 3, 12, it tells us why. And it says, we must not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what was right. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. See, Cain hated righteousness and Abel was righteous. And this is an attitude that has not changed today. It's an animosity against his brother that is mirrored in the world today against followers, believers of Jesus Christ. Against all things godly, against all things righteous, for this simple reason that evil hates 
righteousness. I think this is very important because as Christians, when we're holding the line, when we're staying in the word, when we're talking about doing this in school, we're talking about doing this in our job place, and we meet adversarial situations, we meet people who are biased against us, who are prejudiced against us, who don't like us. Sometimes the reason is this, evil hates righteousness. Sometimes the reason is this, you're a Christian. And you're bringing the light of the Lord into situation. You should be ecstatically happy if someone's not liking you because you're a Christian. Uh, That's the truth. Hey, you people that can get along with everyone and no one ever calls you into question. And they like you all the time and it's all good. Start questioning your walk. Are you being a Christian or a chameleon? Sometimes when you're hated, it's because you're doing the right thing. Listen, if you have the light of Jesus Christ in you, it doesn't tap like that. If you have the light of Jesus Christ in you, and it's showing to the world, some people are not going to want to be in the same room as you. But is it about being liked or about being righteous? Abel was righteous and Cain hated him for it. And despite Cain's attitude, and this is what I love about God, despite Cain's attitude, God is gracious. And this is what he says to Cain. (coughs) He says, it doesn't have to be this way. Change. Do what's right. And he points him towards repentance. He points him to turn away from the things of the world and to turn towards his creator, almighty God. And in verse 6, he says, why are you angry? Why is your face so downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. You must master it. So this direction, God gives him this option, he gives him this direction, but it comes with a warning. And he's saying to him, listen, don't do it this way anymore. It doesn't have to be this way. Change. What he's saying is repent. Do the righteous thing. And here's the warning. But if you don't, sin's crouching right at your door. It's right there and it's waiting. It's waiting for you to make the wrong decision. Some verses say it desires to rule over you, to control you. And he's telling them, listen, if you don't repent and change your ways, this is what's going to happen. And like with many who are set in their own ways, like with many who love their sin more than God... He's too wrapped up in his selfish desires to listen. He's too wrapped up in jealousy. He's too wrapped in anger. And not only completely ignores the word of God, but he rejects it. He rejects it. And then the door opens up. And the evil attitude and the evil thoughts move him to action. 
verse 8, Cain says to his brother Abel, let's go into the field. And while they were there, Cain attacked his brother Abel and he killed him. Commits the first murder. And the Lord questions him, but please, remember this. The Lord knows what's going on. He's not questioning him because he's got a lack of information going on here. He's questioning them because he's giving him an opportunity. He's initiating a conversation with Cain. And he says to him, where's your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. And then he said with a real attitude, am I my brother's keeper? And listen, he says this in a way that's kind of throwing it back on God. Saying, listen, you're the God of the universe. You're asking me where he is? Shouldn't you know? Here's the opportunity to admit what he's done, to confess, but he doesn't. Matter of fact, he lies. He denies responsibility for his brother. He won't acknowledge his actions. But the Lord who sees and knows everything reveals the truth and pronounces judgment on him. Verse 10, he said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. For Cain, he passes judgment. Cain's cursed. He's condemned to perpetual exile, an outcast, a restless wanderer. He went out from the presence of the Lord and resided in the land of Nod, which means a, a land of flight, of banishment. He's a vagabond, eking out an existence. And the ground that yielded the crops to Cain was the ground that received his brother's brother's blood. It was the same ground that would no longer produce for him. And this is interesting to understand because when you're rejecting the word of God, when you're going against what God is telling you to do, when you're walking on a path of unrighteousness, why do you think anything you're going to do is going to produce fruit? It's not going to happen. And this is what happens to Cain because Cain's used to producing crops. And all of a sudden, that's where his livelihood was. That's when he ate. That's where he got no more. It's gone. And why? It's not because he lacked the talent. It's not because he lacked the ability. You know what? He did the wrong thing and God said enough. We need to be aware of that because in our lives as brothers and, Christians, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, sometimes if we're involved in the wrong thing, sometimes if we're going down the wrong path, God will do something. You can expect at minimum not to produce the crops that you thought you were going to produce. Not to produce the fruits in your life because of what you're doing. That's at minimum. At maximum, maybe he takes you off this planet. So unfortunately for Cain... He will not be getting anything else from the ground. Certainly not making an offering because it's not going to produce anything for him. 
hears God's judgment. And this next verse is so indicative of the lost. It's so indicative of those who have a hardened heart, who are set in their way. So indicative of those, and maybe a Christian who's even stuck in sin, and they can't, they don't know what they're doing. And this is what Cain says to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. What he's really saying is that he's upset about the severity of the punishment, but he's showing no remorse about the sin. No remorse for murdering his brother. He's not upset about the sin. He's upset about the sentence. No godly sorrow. No move to repent. It's a worldly sorrow. You know why? He got caught and he's paying the price. And he doesn't like it. He doesn't like God's judgment. And this guy who is the murderer is fearful that he's going to be murdered. And he says in 14, today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, no, not so. If anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. He was separated from God, a vagabond, scratching out, scratching out an existence. And the Lord put some mark on him so they would not kill him. But what happens to Cain? He goes and on. Genesis 4.17, Gen, he says, Cain had relations with his wife and she conceived, gave birth to Enoch, and he built a city and called it the name of the city Enoch after the name of his son. So we know he has a wife with him, he has a son, he builds a city, he lives out his life separated from the Lord, and because of that, he never finds rest. How long does he live? We're not sure. There's a lot of variations and beliefs, but we know this doesn't live longer than the flood. But he's separated from the Lord, eking out an existence, no rest. You know, sitting here today, we can glean much from the events that unfolded between Cain, Abel, and the Lord. We see him as the first example of an unbeliever, but we also see, see him as someone who is just struggling in sin, struggling in pride and selfishness. And as Christians in the New Testament, we are warned to what? Don't be like Cain. So what does that mean to you when... The, the Bible warns you about doing something. Don't be like Cain. means it's possible, correct? There's a lot of those in the Bible. See, as sin crouched at his door, Cain let it in. The repentance was there, but he refused. If we are in sin as brothers and sisters in Christ, and if we are not going to repent, if we are not going to change our ways, if we don't master it, whatever part of sin is in our lives, it's going to turn around and control us. The Bible's language is it desires you. It wants to control you. It wants to master you. Why? Because when it masters you and controls you, it leads you down a path that sin begets sin. And it gets worse. God gave Cain a choice. He said, do the right thing. And he chose self. 
His emotions let guide him. In his anger, his choice turned to action and he murdered Abel. We have to be careful that we're not feeding the flesh. Have to be careful that we're not giving into our desires when we know that they're not righteous. We have to turn our cell phones off. We need strength to make the right decision. And who do we get that strength from? Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't let sin rule over you. We are to master it. You know, as Cain let sin rule over him, he began to sin more. He began to lie. And guess what? He backed the lies up with more lies. And then that became rebellion. And the snowball of his thought and his attitude became an avalanche of action and turned into murder. He physically took his brother's life. The Bible says in 1 John, all we have to do is have hatred in our heart for a brother and we're guilty of murder. We have to be careful in situations where we're crossing over the line, when we're going after the package that's wrapped up in the nice paper called temptation because it's empty or it contains poison, one of the two. Do not be like Cain. Listen, even though we are Christians, we also can struggle with following God's word. And like Cain, we can at sometimes outwardly reject it. We can refuse to be accountable. We can pretend like the Lord doesn't see what we're doing. We can refuse to think there's going to be any consequences. Sin is crouching at the door. Don't open it. And when we reject the word of God, that's exactly what we do. We open it. And maybe I'll say it a different way. And when we reject the word of God, you know what we do? We give the devil a foothold. And I don't know where that foothold is in your life, but it's somewhere. For Cain and Abel, the revealing of their true character, their relationship with God, was apparent in their acts of worship. That has not changed today. To see where we are with God, to see where we're vulnerable in life, to see what we're doing, to see if we have the spiritual armor of God on. Because listen, where they are is so apparent in Haiti. When you get into that country, and I guarantee you if you go on this mission trip, when you get off that plane and you step foot in that soil, you're going to sense it. You're going to feel it. And you're going to know that the spiritual battle between evil and righteousness is so out in the open because there's so many people practicing evil. That you're going to want to get into the word. You're going to want to pray. You know, when I go on those type of mission trips, I go with people and they're all about praying. They're all about singing. They're all about fellowshipping because they feel the need to. And then we get back here and bye bye. Oh, haven't seen you since last Sunday. Oh. 
Our worship reveals our true character. Our worship reveals our relationship with Jesus Christ. If we're walking the right way, if we're not. If we're not doing what we're supposed to or if we are. See, Cain was a box checker. Cain went through the motions. He did the minimums. And we have to ask ourselves, are we living for Christ or are we just checking the boxes? So easy to give what's easy. It's so easy to serve the Lord in the ways that we've got strengths and we're good at this and so we're going to do this. But listen, how about in those areas where you're afraid? How about in those areas where you don't know what you're doing? How about in those areas where you have to get on your knees every day because you're so afraid of what's going to happen? Listen, Deb said something. I'll say Deb and Dave because I kind of connect them. Deb and Dave said something and it was this. She said, I have to pray and put, or we have to pray and put the armor of God every day so that we are equipped for what the Lord wants us to do. Is that how you start your day? Equip me for what you want me to do, Lord. Or do we get up, we have our cup of coffee, we shove down uh, bacon, egg, and cheese on a croissant. We go to work. And then, hey, man, when we get home, maybe we'll have time. We'll say a little prayer or something. We'll do good. We'll do a little devotion. Or do you get up and say, Lord, equip me to do what you want me to do this day. I hate these sermons because when I'm writing them, I'm like. Listen. This is the best question I can ask anybody. And I've asked it of myself. Best question I can ask today is this. Are you a Cain? Are you an Abel? Or are you an Abel acting like Cain? Because if you're Cain, you never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life. You've never asked for the forgiveness of your sins that's available because he died on the cross for the sins of the world. I got news for you. You're going to hell. The Bible says, by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves, the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not about how good you are. It's not that you can work your way into heaven. It's only through faith in Jesus Christ, by the grace of God, that you can have eternal salvation. So if you haven't done that, you are lost. Road to perdition means to utter destruction. You're going to hell. You need to come see me. Okay? If you are able, if you are able, praise the Lord. You're doing the righteous things. Sometimes I think we're able and then we kind of turn it to able acting like Cain. But listen, do the right things. Put the armor of God on. Do what God wants you to do. Even if you're fearful, so what? Walk through it. Pray for the power of God. Pray for his wisdom. Pray for his timing. So much more. You're on the right path, brother. Sister, keep going. You're unable. And if you're unable acting like Cain, it's time to repent. Time to lay down your pride. Time to lay down your selfishness. It's time to choose to do the right thing. So let's remember, as I close, what God said to Cain. Will you not be accepted if you do what is right? But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master.
Bottom line, it doesn't have to be this way. Change, repent, and watch what the most powerful in the whole universe, the creator of the universe, does in your life. Amen? Listen, the altars are open. So if you have to leave, go ahead. And I'm not, gonna, I'm not judging you for that. That's completely between you and God. You've got to run out of here. But if you don't have to run out of here, take a moment. Press into God. Listen to what he has to say. Amen?